Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. Here are the two bad ones. Because you're an offensive lineman. Because <laughs> you're a left tackle. There's uh-huh. a couple that pertain there. Yeah. What about the offensive grapple? It's Wes. No, yeah, hell no. Yeah, that's not that. <laughs> that's awful. That sounds like something your grandmother would come up with. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the offensive grapple. Yeah, I'm not even walking out to that. And Walker. This one's even worse than offensive grapple. Okay. All right, you ready? Wesselmania. Yeah. No, hell no. Yeah. That's not <sighs> good. I'm embarrassed to even bring that to the airwaves. Yeah. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Oh, that's fire. I don't care who you say. <laughs> the last hour of Wes and Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're still playing King of the Hill, seeing who can reach the top of the mountain with ACC basketball storylines this year. At first, it was Wake Forest roller coaster year, Steve Forbes pressure, Hubert Davis bounce back season beat Steve Forbes, Kevin Keats beat Hubert Davis, Miami disappointment beat Kevin Keats. And so bring back the yodeling, bring it back. People are a fan of this. Anybody who watched Price is Right remembers this game. All right, so Miami disappointment against R.J. Davis's 42-point performance that they allowed, by the way, and what was it almost all-time mishap from the heels at the very end. That game storyline versus Miami storyline all year long. Fiddy, we can start with you. What's the bigger one here between these two? Yeah, I'll go with R.J. because at a point in time where Hunter Salas was maybe threatening uh, just how uh, how competitive the ACC player the the year race was going to be. RJ reminded you he's the best player on the best team and in the process put together the best individual performance we've seen from an ACC player this season. So um, I would say that that one overtops the disappointing season that the Hurricanes have had so far. Do we have our first disagreement yet? Or are you rolling with Fiddy and saying RJ Davis's performance in what was a crazy ending is that the bigger storyline? Yeah, I'm going to go with R.J. Davis. I mean, anytime you have a performance like that with the efficiency with which he had it, I mean, that's going to go down as the greatest performance this season, barring the rest of the year if we get anything crazy or somebody drops 40-plus in the tournament. Because in college basketball, 40 points is rare. I mean, we've had two performances this year, Blake Henson from Pitt and now R.J. Davis that we've seen guys go for 40-plus. But it's just not as prevalent in the NBA. I mean, hell, every night you could close your eyes and point to a game. P.J. Washington could can go for 40. 40 or, or whatever. <laughs> but in college basketball, it's a much more rare feat. It feels like it used to feel in the NBA when a guy got 40. And you were like, man, what a performance. So, yeah, I'm going to go with R.J. Malik Monk went for 40 against Carolina that one year, right? Was 47. It, I was about to say, didn't he yeah, almost go I for 50? That. <laughs> that was, that's still probably the most ridiculous offensive performance I've seen. R.J. Davis. The new leader, two more to go. Does R.J. Davis get beat by court storming West? Does that turn into the bigger story after what we saw from Wake and Duke this weekend? Uh, I would say yes, just because it's taking on a national presence. I mean, you talk about, my mom told me yesterday they were talking about it on uh, CBS this morning. It has gone all over from the every news outlet you can think of has carried this topic and had some sort of opinion on it. So, yeah, I mean, you could argue that court storming has now. I mean, you got Caitlin Clark, perhaps. Uh, but other than that, I don't think there's been a bigger story in college basketball this season that has covered the national 
the national scope like this has. Does R.J. Davis beat Court Storming, Fitty, or are you going to relinquish the title to Court Storming? No, it's got to be Court Storming. Like like Wes said, it was national. Our guy Brendan Marks was on CBS News this morning oh, talking about okay. it. Yep. Um, it, it's, it made guys or allowed guys like Jay Williams or Jay Billis and Seth Greenberg to make fools of themselves on national TV. It's going to be the number one storyline when the season comes to an end. Like, because they're, 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 they're getting, the, the commissions are meeting, they're, they're going to get further restrictions and more resolutions. Like, we'll talk more about this than we probably will the tournament because it's going to be that polarizing because so many people have different opinions on it. So, yep, this unfortunately does knock the king of Chapel Hill off the king of the hill. Last one then. Court storming, you said both because of a national perspective, might be the single biggest story in the ACC. Last one I have here at the top of the mountain that I set with the checkpoint, ACC's lack of respect has been a talking point all year long. One more national, one more local, but a big local storyline. Fiddy, I'll start with you so Wes can think on it. What's the bigger storyline between those two topics? I think, I mean, here it's it's the lack of respect for the ACC because the ACC is tried and true and it's been proven. You put teams in the tournament, they're going to go deep into March. Um, I respect what Steve Forbes did. It doesn't ring as true as if John Shire, Huber Davis spent a minute and a half calling out Joe Lenardi. So here I would still say the lack of respect for the ACC because teams like, I mean, like NC State's 17 and 10. Five years ago, they were a tournament team. Now they're nowhere near the bubble. Wake Forest is 18 and 9. And if they lose tonight or tomorrow whenever they play, they're out of the field again. This wasn't a case three to five years ago. So I'll stick up for my conference. I'll say the lack of respect for the ACC is a bigger topic than court storming. Uh, this one is a bit tougher, but I'm still going to go with court storming just because it's been such a huge, like I said, national groundswell of a topic. And I don't think that, uh, you know, any of the outlets that cover the court storming are going to cover the lack of respect for the ACC. All right. We need our first tiebreaker. Luckily, we only have three people on this show. I think I'm going to go with the local angle and say lack of respect. You're right. You're right about the national perspective here being court storming. Mm -hmm. But if we're just going with who we talk to every day, the local people, we got to give the people what they want. And I'm going to say the lack of ACC respect is with the theme covering the entire year. I'm going to go with that being King of the Hill. And so that's who wins. ACC lack of respect. That is King of the Hill when it comes to top ACC storylines. If you have any disagreement, you can text us on the FanDuel text line, 704-570-9610. All right. Well, we're going to stay in that ACC world, but we're going to go to football. But first, uh, a bit of a PSA really quickly. Be a part of the WFNZ Doghouse. We are looking for food truck vendors for for match and game days throughout the MLS and NFL seasons. Call us for more information, 704-548-7843. Once again, that is 704-548-7843. If you have a food truck or you know a homie that has one that you want to get out there for matching game days at the WFNZ Doghouse, get to that phone and make that call. And so now, as I said, staying in that ACC world, scouting combine is this weekend. Quarterbacks throw on Saturday. One of the quarterbacks that will be participating in field drills is Drake May. And and there's a bit of a uh, narrative starting to form about him, and I found it quite interesting. Uh, we talked about yesterday how Merrill Hodge, who will be joining the Wesson Walker Show at 1220 on Thursday, so you guys won't want to miss that. Merrill Hodge is going to join us to break down his take on Drake May, for which he said, I would not touch 
May. And he said also he's extremely inconsistent, his processing inconsistent. He's not extremely athletic. I find him more stiff. He's got a longer throwing motion, which allows more picks. But let's hear it from Merrill Hodge himself. Play the clip from the Sports Junkies 106.7, the fan, when they had him on. Okay, in, in these categories compared to May, I, I wouldn't touch May. I wouldn't, I wouldn't grab May. Ooh. I wouldn't draft him in the first round. And there's a bunch of things that bother me. He's extremely inconsistent as uh, his accuracy. His processing, inconsistent. Um, he's not extremely athletic. I think I find him more stiff. He's got a longer throwing motion, which allows more hits in our league than he gets in college. And I'm just bothered by it. You know, in fact, I just I knew we were going to do this, so I just wanted to. I hadn't mm-hmm. watched him for a couple weeks, so I, one of my last games I looked at was the NC State, NC State game, and that may be one of his worst games I'd ever seen. I mean, in play, <laughs> and but but it validated. It's at the end of the season, and it, ended, it validated a couple things. All right, so with Drake May, so it is going to come, it has come out that he is planning to just complete the physicals and the interviews. He will not throw, according to CBS Sports HQ senior NFL insider Josina Anderson. But again, as we're saying that uh, Merrill Hodge and his opinion on Drake May, and then I also saw Kurt Banker former Virginia quarterback that's now stepped into the uh, (laughs) analyst world. But he said he had just finished his review. He said that Drake May was a more athletic Mason Rudolph with less arm talent and a lot less accuracy. Uh, He said he was super raw with his footwork and pocket presence, says ball placement needs serious improvement, defensive recognition struggles a bit. Uh, but he said he does see the potential upside, but he's got a ways to go to reach it. He also needs to be in a good situation with a good coach and probably a quarterback in front of him to mentor him to get him up to speed. So he was talking about his ideal situation could be a lot like Jordan Love's was, sit for a few years, uh, clean up some of the things in his game, learn behind the scenes, and then uh, get his chance. So what do you make? Of uh, you know, there there's starting to be a few people that have come out now and not giving the most glowing reviews of Drake May as we enter this draft pro- this draft process. Just like we see in a lot of different facets of life, I think the loud minority is taking precedent over what the majority opinion is on Drake May, and I think that fact is there's a lot of people that still really like him, and he's going to be a top five pick. That's still going to be true. A lot of NFL draft analysts still have him as a top five prospect overall. We can go to Daniel Jeremiah, who also had some comments with the Charlotte Observer. Drake May in a top 50 prospect list released by Jeremiah just yesterday. So it's not 1.0, it's 2.0, and he's still number five on that list. Now, he did drop, but he didn't drop in favor of another quarterback. He dropped only because Malik Neighbors went up one spot. And people love this wide receiver prospect list with Romeo Adunze being third. Marvin Harrison being second and Caleb Williams being first Drake May's fifth on the list. And so I, it doesn't make any sense to me where I believe Merrill Hodge said he's not athletic. Kurt Bankert said he is more athletic. He's a more athletic version of Mason Rudolph. Wes, I, I know we've talked about Drake May. I think you like Drake. He's not extremely athletic. Who? Merrill Hodge. He said not extremely athletic. And yet Kurt Bankert said he's a more athletic Mason Rudolph, right? Mm -hmm. I think you and I, I don't, where are you on Drake May? Because I think you said that you would rather have him more than Caleb Williams in the season, mm-hmm. but also 
I know you've had some problems, I guess, with Drake May at times. Like, mm-hmm. where are you with Drake May as a prospect? Uh, you know, I find him to be an interesting prospect. When he first came on the scene, the minute I watched him, I said, that's the number one overall pick, the way that he came on the scene and played the way that he did. But I think he does have, uh, as Fiddy would say, a complicated legacy at the University of North Carolina. Uh, for as great as he could be at times, there were also other times, too, where it kind of left you scratching your head. Uh, there's also going to be things that he's going to have to switch up to once he goes to the pros, whether you're talking about coming under center or throwing in a pro-style system and some of the things that he did because I've seen things about that too and people having questions about maybe what was going on on certain plays and the why certain things didn't happen because, again, I always point to that stretch at the end of that phenomenal um, first season that he had where we talked about the stretch where Carolina didn't win many football games and he didn't play very great. And the thing that was, I guess, alarming to me was most college quarterbacks, even when they lose games, they still put up gaudy numbers. And when they got into some of the tougher times of their seasons, you know, he would put up kind of pedestrian numbers or do a lot of things that made you wonder. So as far as how I feel about him coming into this draft, I mean, I do think he's, if I had to lean which way I would go, I'm still going to go side with Drake May uh, as a top-notch prospect that I do feel like should be a top-five pick. But I do think it's interesting to hear different perspectives on the things that they don't like about him because some of it I do agree with. And, I mean, obviously there's no science to this thing. There's no foolproof way. But a guy like, you know, Merrill Hodge or some of these guys, uh, especially with Hodge having some of the takes that he's had on certain prospects that a lot of people were in love with. I mean, it's not the gospel, but it's something to make you think a little bit. And so that's the interesting part is that, you know, most prospects of Drake May's caliber, yeah, they're going to get nitpicked and we have more analysts than ever. But I just find it interesting some of the things that people are saying about him because you feel like that for the most part, it would be a consensus that he's a big-time prospect that's kind of looked at as can't miss. I think, yeah, but you even see some of this with Caleb Williams mm-hmm. with some people. And so I think that's what's happening here. But you're right. Merrill Hodge is a big name to say it. Here's what Daniel Jeremiah writes to a part of the Charlotte Observer. I think it will be helpful for Drake May to explain some things because when I watch the tape, I have questions of just man, he gets a lot of unblocked pressures and there doesn't seem to be answers. Whether there's a hot route, whether that's in terms of what they're doing protection-wise to help him out, that's something when you're watching tape, I'm watching it going, man, I would love to sit down with him and go through this and say, did they give you the answers here? Is this something you could have done here? Is this something on the outside that wasn't corrected? Yeah, there's a lot of unblocked pressure because the offensive line was terrible. I heard Field Yates and Mina Kimes talking about it, not on her podcast. Don't You don't have to reach for it. It's okay. Mm. But I heard them talking about how they weren't in love with the skill position group that he had this season, where Tez Walker was good when he played. But remember, he didn't play for like what the first five games and anywhere else. You didn't have a lot of weapons. And even if you did have weapons that were rolling downfield, Drake May was probably under pressure. And so how much of that is on Drake May for not accounting for it himself? How much of it is on the coaching staff? Like, to me in college, to me that falls on the coaching staff. Like, this guy's young anyway. Do you want him calling hot routes right off the rip? Like, do you want him calling for different plays and protections? He's not Bryce Young out there with the gifted processing at a level that we haven't seen before. The offense needs to tailor itself to make sure Drake May is put in that best position, and that wasn't always true. We're like Caleb Williams, the biggest thing for him and Drake May, both guys will hold on to the football for a while. But that's that's Caleb Williams' biggest thing is that he just holds on to the football forever. 
because he's Superman and he can make crazy plays. And so I I think that's something I feel like could be coached out of him. So that's why I think Caleb Williams would still probably be be number one, despite having all the tools that Drake May has. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, the, I don't think that Drake May was put in the greatest situation, but also he didn't deliver on some of these times where he was supposed to be Superman himself here in Chapel And I Hill. take it you're not a big fan of Kurt Banker, huh? Well, his analysis was weird. Like, it was more the tweet than it was. I don't know anything about Banker, the guy. Mm -hmm. I just know the analysis was weird where it seemed to be contradictory, where he's, like, more unathletic. And then he tried to say, well, I'm not saying it's a bad thing when I'm comparing him to Mason Rudolph. It's like, okay, well, are you saying it's a good thing? Like, we know Mason Rudolph (laughs) hasn't really worked out in the NFL. It just feels like he knew what he was doing when he was saying that. And then trying to backpedal on it, but yeah, maybe he, said, right. he said he has a lot of backyard football in his game, but doesn't have the athletic upside that I think it requires to live in that world as often as he does. Fitty, real quick, your thoughts uh, on your guy Drake May, um, and these opinions that are starting to form on him. Yeah, Banker played quarterback where again? Virginia. Yeah, you're not qualified to evaluate quarterbacks at oh, the no. NFL level. Oh no. <laughs> um, and Merrill Hodge, <laughs> I think people get caught up in the fact that he was right about Johnny Manziel was right about Jadavian Clowney. Now, this guy's been off the radar for a decade. He did say C.J. Stroud was the only quarterback he had a first-round grade on last year, too. Yeah, like this guy's been irrelevant since ESPN let go of him. And you probably see why, because a lot of his takes are very... We, we live in a we live in the time where people are just going to have a take to have a take. He also said draft RG3 over Luck. Like, Merrill is not perfect. Nobody is. Yeah. But and, he has his misses, too. He The Manziel and Clowney stuff gets a lot of play on Twitter every once in a while. And so, like, look, I look at it. When I think when it's all said, I think Drake's going to be the third quarterback off the board. And I think when we look back at Drake's career 15 years from now, he's going to be a really, really good quarterback that is capable of having a Hall of Fame career and being a franchise quarterback for New England, Washington, wherever he winds up. That, that just my opinion hasn't changed. All I right. think he's still that guy. All right. All right. So sounds good. We're going to come back and it's going to be more opinions of Josh J.D., a.k.a. Fitty Marlowe, and the gang as we go to the Live Wire Connect on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Segments to go on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We can go to the text line for a little bit before we get to the live wire. 704-570-9610. It's the FanDuel text line. We did get corrected. Tony Reale, he's writing into the show saying, Monk dropped 39 on Carolina in Vegas in December 2016. I was there. Also, I think Kennedy Meeks' jersey should be in the rafters at the Smith Center. He led the 2016-2017 team to the national championship. That's Dennis from Shelby writing in Malik Monk, 39 on Carolina and Vegas. I remember the 47 point performance. So I thought that was one in Chapel Hill, right? Now he's wrong. He scored 47. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. So we don't, weren't don't. corrected. I'm offended. <laughs> Shout out to Malik Monk, man. I love Malik Monk. We, we were discussing it. So Doug today on lockdown Hornets. <laughs> I do though. I know it. Well, I know it was a shot at Fitty, but 
God, I love Malik Monk here. I did not want to give up on him like everybody else did. I'll have some differing opinions from Hornets fans every once in a while. I don't know if you've known that about me. But every once in a while, that'll be true. That was true of Malik Monk, who goes to a different team and then balls. But, man, I was looking at his game log constantly whenever he left Charlotte. And it feels like people are doing that with Gordon Hayward and P.J. Washington and making fun of each of them if they don't have a good scoring night. Like, that's where we we need to continue to hone in he on that. turned it around, man. Malik Monk turned it around. And it all started with a 47-point performance, not 39. Sorry, Dennis, but 47-point performance. And we got some other people writing in about Drake May and Jaden Daniels. Wolfpack James, last one here on the topic in the previous segment. Drake May and Jaden Daniels are going to be franchise QBs coming out of the draft. Caleb Williams will have some moments, but I don't think he'll be a consistent star. You think that's crazy talk from Wolfpack James? Uh, no, I don't. Better? I, I don't, okay. man. I, I, don't, I don't think that... Um, Caleb Williams is a foolproof prospect. I, I think there's some flaws there with them, with him too. I don't see him coming in the league and being Patrick Mahomes uh, from day one. Uh, I, I just, I don't know that I see that with him either. I think these top three guys. And I though, think Chicago should keep Justin Fields. To be frank, I think all three of these guys are going to be fun as hell to see how they progress, though. Oh, no question. All of them have. I mean. All of them have all of the physical tools, right? Mm -hmm. Jaden Daniels is thin, but you can put weight on that guy. So I'm not, anytime somebody's skinny, I'm not too worried about it. It feels like Bryce Young different because he's 5'10". So the size concerns I did think were valid, even though I was still going to draft the number one. But Jaden Daniels is still a tall dude. You can put weight on that guy, and I think he'll be fine. But what what physically is missing from any of them? Like, Drake May's athletic, man. He's making dudes miss out there in the open field. Think about how many rushing yards he has. He could use a few more pounds, too, that he'll get Maybe. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and not nearly as much as Daniels, but true. Like, that, I'm excited as hell for all three of them because we could see moment. I, I could see all three of them being franchise QBs mm. very easily. All three of them. So, I can't wait to see what it's happens. It's just so tough, man, because when you get to the draft, I mean, the last thing I'll say, when you get to the draft, I mean, there's so many guys that come out, especially when you have a two, three, quarterback class where you feel like the guys at the top are really going to be something and it's like none of them or one of them works out because I feel like yeah. the law averages out of three of them one of them isn't going to work oh but probably also, two probably yeah, two and one of them two and the thing that's going to be interesting there are so many quarterbacks in this class that I think this is going to be a 30 for 30 worthy class to see who comes out on top because you got the J.J. McCarthy's the Jordan Travis's there's going to be a guy that's in the middle to the back end of that pack that's going to become a star that everybody's going to be like yo you should have saw this guy coming last year had a lot of fanfare I just think this year is way more entertaining to me. It's mm-hmm. way more interesting because of the how top-heavy it is. But also, even Michael Penix, who got to the championship game and played, the other guy you mentioned, J.J. McCarthy. Michael Penix was excellent in that semifinal game. And then you get to the finals, and not nearly as good. But that was Michigan, who had a fantastic defense all year long. Yeah, I think you got guys at the top that do have a lot of gas. But I do think, as far as quarterback depth, this is one of the craziest classes I've Agreed. seen. When you talk about 1 through 10, I mean, there's a it's lot both. of guys who could end up being starters in this league out of this class. It's both. It's it's yeah. it's weird because it's top-heavy, but also there is a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, man. Yeah, I can't wait to see what those guys do. Can't wait to see what you do, Fitty. You're a top-notch prospect. Time now for the live wire. <laughs> Two stars. I mean, oh, my no. bad, my bad. I didn't think you had my mic on. Live wire connect. 
never cut off big time's microphone. So I catch all your insults and RJ going to play in the Swiss Alps and Tiny Tim. And I, RJ has been catching it big time the last week. All while being number one in the ACC. I mean, I it's your fault, Fitty. If, if he wasn't, you know, your guy, I wouldn't give him such a hard time. And RJ, if you hear this, you know, it, it's no uh, disrespect. I'm, I'm just having fun with my producer. What's that make Muggsy Bogues if RJ Davis is Tiny Tim? <laughs> Well, Muggsy, you know, he, he he made it to the league. He was a first round, a high first round pick, and was a, was a hooper. So, and plus, I mean, you got to call Muggsy a giant. And, and I still think Muggsy had more muscle despite being seven inches shorter. That he did, or I mean, even more than that. Yeah, a lot more muscle. All yeah. right, Fitty, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> now, and speaking of the league, uh, Wes, you you miss Gen Z Giants Drew Romich's uh, his take this morning. Man, came in the door said, I don't mean to poop all over you, Fitty. <laughs> but R.J. Davis, not an NBA player, and we argued for 15 minutes. Oh, man, I hate I missed that. I wish I would have been in the room. Um, so the combine is, I guess, officially getting underway with interviews, meetings, the whatnot. And that means that you're going to hear from Dan Morgan and Dave Canales. Canales speaking right now. Morgan spoke earlier today. One thing he talked about is the future of Iki Aquanu playing left tackle. Hmm. Here's what the new GM of the Carolina Panthers had to say on that subject. I think Iki, the plan is to leave him on the outside at left tackle. I'm excited to see him develop under the new regime, the new offensive line coaches. Um, you know, I, I, I'm excited for that potential. So, Wes, he says he thinks that's the plan. You've played left tackle. I imagine you had some ups. You had some downs during your stellar career in Winston-Salem. Nope. Only up, baby. <laughs> yeah, um, right. How much is maybe just getting a position coach and a head coach that believes in Nicky at that position could lead to him having a bounce-back season and being the left tackle? for this franchise for the next 10 years? Uh, well, I think that's not the thing that's holding Nicky back. I think he's gotten plenty of support from the Panthers. I think they know that he's their guy. And I think by them, you know, Dan Morgan's statement just then lets you know that there's plenty of support for him in that building. Uh, otherwise, he would have been very noncommittal about that. Like I said, I think they're going to give him one more shot to show that he can do this thing before he gets the Robert Gallery treatment. You guys remember him. He oh, wow. was supposed nice to be ball. the tackle of tackles. And then he ended up switching to guard and had a long career as a guard. So that's not to say that you're trash just because you have to move inside. I think for Icky, it may come down to shedding a little bit of weight uh, and just mainly just technique work because that's the big things that you see with him to whether, you know, he's bending over, putting his head in the block or dropping that inside foot, opening up the door for a pass rusher at times or getting confused on games and things of that nature. So I think that there's some technical things that he could clean up in his game, and I think that will help him uh, a lot. I mean, he's still going to have issues with speed rushes, but who doesn't? It's the NFL. I mean, outside of Trent Williams, how many guys – you know, just stand over there and lock people down weekend and week out. And so uh, I think for Icky, though, I think that's a nice endorsement for him. I think he's getting plenty of yeah. support. And I think he's going to have every chance to do that uh, throughout this season. And I think if it doesn't work this season, I think they're going to look for another option. So here's what's crazy about Icky. We all think that he regressed in 2023, right? We all think that. Logical explanation, having watched him week in and week out. He had a better grade this year than he did in 2022, if you let Pro Football Focus tell it. And part of that is because Pro Football Focus views him as an excellent run blocker. He was ranked 11th out of 79 tackles in the NFL when it came to run blocking with a 77 grade mm -hmm. in the very tree green, which indicates very good. 
His pass blocking grade wasn't terrible. It was 54th out of 81, which, okay, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad, but I guess just in the larger sense of, you know, being closer to average than 81. We're giving up 11 sacks. When you're starting at left tackle. No, right. And that's just the stat. I, that actually is going into my point. Mm-hmm. I think the bad plays are so horrendous. It's hard to overlook the medium to good snaps that he had in pass blocking. But there are so many times where he gets fooled and so many of those sacks that you talk about, Wes, they're on stunts. And if we can just get this guy to understand what's happening on stunts and also give him help because played alongside Chandler Savala this year, who was the worst guard in the league? Number one, got a grade of zero one time and it baffled us for like three straight weeks. We couldn't stop talking about it. I'm glad that they're giving him another shot. And I didn't think too much that they were going to look for another offensive tackle and then kick Icky inside. I didn't think that that would ever get to a realistic point. But I'm glad that they're giving him another shot because I think there's still enough there to where you can win with Icky and give him a shot to be a good enough pass protector. And maybe he turns out to be a good one. I don't know. But elite run blocker has that potential already showing flashes of that. And good enough pass protector, can you get to average and not just let the awful plays show up as frequently as they do. Yeah, man. Like, I'm I'm here for giving Nicky another shot. Yeah, I mean, he gave up five more sacks, 17 more pressures, and yeah, the, the run blocking is something that you could definitely uh, hang your hat on with him, but the thing is, too, we know that that rookie year, he did get a lot of help with chips. He or, did. Or different things like that, being a tight end lining up on his side, and so the thing there is that, man, you can't just keep having to give up a potential receiver in a passing tree uh, to help your left tackle, and that's the thing, too, that I think he's got to clean up because it hurts the offense when you have to constantly help the tackle. We're going to stick with the Dan Morgan sound on the offensive line. He spoke about why the guards are motivated to bounce back in 2024. Our starting guards, they're progressing. Um, Obviously, they had injuries and, you know, landed on IR last year. And, you know, I think both those guys are are sick about that and super motivated to come back stronger next year. Um, But, again, we're going to look to add depth and competition at every spot, not just the guard spot. Um, you know, so I think, you know, future-wise, we're, we're focused on the O-line, but that's not the only position we're looking to focus on. Walker, what does health at the guard position mean for Bryce Young in his second season playing quarterback? It means I'm scared for him because it was they weren't very healthy last year, as Dan Morgan just talked about. They had a million different combinations at both right and left guard because Brady Christensen and Austin Corbett were both hurt. I understand why you might think, hey, if Christensen's healthy and Austin Corbett is healthy, then our offensive line will get back closer to what it was two years ago. I understand that thought process. It doesn't mean I'm not scared. It's a big old risk you're taking. So if you're doing that and you're saying, if Corbett can come back from injury, a second knee injury, by the way, in the last over calendar year after tearing his ACL in I think week 16 of two seasons ago, and then not even finishing the year the next time that he went out with an injury after he returned for waiting a long time. Is this another Matt Paradis situation where he was excellent the previous year before he got hurt and then was never even close to the same? I'm scared about that. Brady Christensen, while they relied a lot on him, is this the case of he's a solid enough guard to where you're okay with him, but really we're comparing him to Chandler Zavala, who might have been the worst in the NFL? I get, it's still scary to have that thought process. I get it. I do think health will certainly help. It can only help this offensive line. 
But Wes, it doesn't mean that I'm not looking for talented guards out there on the free agent market or in the NFL draft. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that interior needs work, and I don't know that I trust you know bringing those guys back. Christensen may be a solid enough player to leave at one guard spot, but I still think uh, at the, the center and guard positions need an upgrade. I get that these guys were hurt uh, and that they missed some time and maybe got thrown back into the fire, but still some of the things that I saw uh, from these O-linemen last year, just to me, yeah, I get that you were injured, but you were getting whooped a lot. And it wasn't just the fact that it was zone blocking, anything like that. It was mano mano uh, you trying to block a guy, you getting smashed. So uh, I think that the best thing for them is going to be maybe to find uh, he he wasn't lying saying that they need some depth and competition, but I think you also need to find some starter level guys, uh, at least two of them, to go in that interior and plug in. The thing is, I don't I don't know if you find anybody better than what Corbett was two years ago. But I don't know if Corbett is Corbett from two years ago. That's the problem, right? That's what's scary about this. It's going to be tough, but Dan Morgan has his hands full. There aren't many Zach Martins in the world who just age like a fine wine playing right guard. Unless he's going against Derrick Brown. That's the only thing. Yeah. Um, one more soundbite from Dan Morgan. We've we spent a lot of time talking about keeping Burns, Brown, and Luvu here in Carolina, and he addressed the possibility of that. You want to keep your defense together, you know, not only the coaching staff, but the players. Um, you know, we'd love to keep everybody together, but, you know, with the salary cap, it's not always a reality. All right, Walker, let's mm-hmm. read between the lines. That's what we do when people like him speak. Do you do you sense confidence from him that he can pay Burns, Brown, and Luvu, or do you think it's more than likely that, uh, given that answer, at least one of those guys will not be back in Carolina next year? I don't know if you can take anything from that. It felt like he was trying to keep all doors open. Maybe you can take something from it, but I mean, it, that that sounded like a whole lot of nothing. Well, this would, is a management man speaking in publicly. Well, yeah. Well, especially <laughs> in this moment where you just have no clue what's going to happen. I'd love to keep everybody back, but sometimes the salary cap doesn't allow that. Well, that's just basic 101 of trying to figure out how to keep all your talented players year after year after year. Thanks, Dan. Well, no, I, I'm not even blaming him for it. It's just it didn't sound like a whole lot. So, yeah, there's a real possibility Frankie and Brian Burns are not on this team. You could have a bunch of different combinations. I don't think Derek Brown's going anywhere. I I would be I'd be shocked. I think I would use that word shocked if Derek Brown was off the team heading into next year. But Frankie Luvu and Brian Burns, yeah, you could easily see that scenario play out. Yeah, I mean, I think it was interesting what he said. I think they're going to try to get all of those guys signed, but I think he realizes, you know, that Brian Burns is definitely uh, a wanted man. And then thinking about, uh, I think the Frankie Luvu is the most interesting wild card out of the bunch because he's the one that's going to hit uh, free agency. And I think you're going to have a lot of teams that are going to try to put the Panthers in a tough position uh, and, you know, offer him some money that the Panthers might not be willing to. That's the second time we've played sound since Dan Morgan became the GM. Does he not sound exhausted? And I think if you're a Panther fan, man, that should excite you. Scott Fitterer never (laughs) sounded tired. Never sounded like he was staying up late at night, grinding on tape, writing down notes on the notepad, working 24-7, 365, which is what that job requires. I like hearing Dan Morgan, what, a month and a half on the job? Sound like he needs a vacation, but he's a football guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> he ain't taking no vacation, baby. We saw what having the head coaching job in Carolina did to Frank Reich. <laughs> we saw what the head coaching job did to James Borrego when he took over for the Charlotte Hornets at the beginning and the end. Steve Clifford hasn't had hair for us to see the gray factor mature a little bit more. But I have to imagine Steve Clifford, after cursing a couple of times, giving us great sound bites twice this year, when you coach in Charlotte, you're going to age and you're going to be tired. It's all about how you get to the other side. Somehow being successful, I think Dan Morgan is up for that challenge. He works hard, man. I think he's up for it. That'll do it for the Live Wire. It's the Wes and Walker walk-off coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Are you challenging me to a walk-off? Oh, yeah. That's a walk-off challenge, my friend. It's a walk-off. It's a walk-off. The walk-off on Wes and Walker as we wrap up and pass the baton to the Kyle Bailey Show in just about 10 minutes. I did want to read you some more comments from Dan Morgan at the Combine real quickly. I think some interesting ones that we'll talk about tomorrow. Joe Person tweets out that Dan Morgan said the Panthers are going to be a little smarter when it comes to restructuring contracts. We're going to do things the right way, not kind of kick the can down the road. We want to evenly distribute and pay year to year. I think that one's interesting. Mm. If we want to look for some shots taken, hey, Suleiman, we're going to do things the right way now. Brant Tillis is here, so you can get on up out of here because we're going to do things the right way. We're going to handle them a little smarter. I think there's something there to chew on, and we will tomorrow on Wesson Walker. And finally, he also mentioned that all intentions to extend Frankie Louvu, they're there, and that Frankie Louvu has that dog mentality Morgan has referred to. And so maybe if you wanted to try to attach something to the previous comment Dan Morgan said, and we played on the live wire, if he's saying all the intentions are to bring guys back, but sometimes the salary cap doesn't allow that. He also said they're working to extend Derek Brown. They've talked to his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, or Greg Rosenhaus. It's a Rosenhaus. So it feels like Brian Burns would be that guy if he's going to move on somewhere else, which makes sense to me. Keep Frankie Lubu, keep Derek Brown, and then Brian Burns move somewhere else. That would make sense, and it is Drew Rosenhaus. Well, then that probably gets you a first-round pick in this draft, and I would think if you're going to move on from him. If that's the case. case. Yeah, we got to do some stretching there. But if that's the case, then that would make the most sense. So we got something for tomorrow, fellas. I'm excited to get there. Before, we got to do the wrap-up on the Wesson Walker walk-off. Let's do leftover takes, Fitty. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? I just wanted to continue to reheat this R.J. Davis storyline from yesterday. North Carolina avoided an all-time collapse. And it wasn't in the ACC tournament. It wasn't in the NCAA tournament. It wasn't anything of crazy magnitude. Seating might have been on the line because that's a bad Miami team. That would have been a bad loss at home, no doubt about it. So maybe you drop from a two to a three, something like that. I could see it. But an R.J. Davis performance was almost ruined by a terrible collapse at the end of that game. They narrowly escaped it. And it was a little Oregon 2017 Final Four style. I saw Brendan Marks tweet out where you couldn't hit free throws, but the rebounds were huge. R.J. Davis misses one. 
and then Armando, where the play design was to give the ball to Armando on the back end of a baseline inbounds play. Okay, I thought about it. I was like, Armando, not the greatest free throw shooter, but all right, I think this is the right call. 80% though on the season. He has been. You're right. One of six last night. You're you're right about that. And they still awarded him. Hubert Davis still uh, decided to design the play to give it to Armando and just avoid another potential turnover, which I totally get, but I was still scared. And then he misses two. Seth Trimble misses two. They kept getting the rebounds. It's it's crazy that they avoided that kind of collapse. But it was saved, and now all we get to do is celebrate R.J. Davis's performance, which is a monster storyline as having gone pretty far up on the mountain when we played King of the Hill. That's my leftover take, Wes. Yeah, nah, no doubt about it. I mean, if they lose that game, that definitely the performance becomes irrelevant just because of what it's meant. I mean, if Carolina had kept rolling and hadn't lost any games in recent memory, then we would have been – thinking about that performance and saying, okay, yeah, they did lose, lose, but what a performance he had. But, yeah, it certainly would have been damning if they would have lost this game, being how they've been so up and down as of late. You got a leftover take, Fiddy, or did you just want to move on? Nice. R.J. Davis is the ACC Player of the Year. Yeah. And like my T-shirt says, he's the king of New York on the hill. It's The graphic is great. King of New York on the hill. R.J. Davis wearing some Tims with some skyscrapers in the background. You got that over the weekend? I ordered it. It got delivered gotcha. over the weekend. Did they shrink the skyscrapers? <laughs> it's for RJ. It's just I mean it's just <laughs> I mean it's just funny considering this guy has owned Wake Forest. So And no, my my favorite part is that Wake had the smallest basketball player ever. But yet still I'm here for all the tiny Tim references because it makes me laugh. Despite having the tiniest of Tims in basketball history. That's yeah. right. Oh, musky bogues. <laughs> musky. Does he smell now? That's, That's what I, I I had a voice. Uh, I had a problem trying to say his name one time on the air. Oh. And I instead of Muggsy Bogues, it was musky bogues for like 15 minutes. That's hilarious. We need to start calling him that. Let's move on. Random question of the day. What do you want? What do you want? It's not that simple. What it's- do you want? I'm interested in Wes's answer on this. Okay. Wes, the random question of the day is if you name inanimate objects. So do you have a name for your car? Do you have a name for anything like that? I'm a little scared because I feel like you might, I don't know, it just scares me. For I'll, I'll just leave that up to interpretation, but I feel like you have some names for inanimate objects in your life. Yeah, I definitely have. I've named pretty much every one of my cars. What's your car's name now? Uh, I did name it Bosa. <laughs> Bosa the Bronco? Yeah, I call it that, yeah. So it's... Runs runs short on fuel mileage when you need it to go the extra mile. That's interesting. Runs out of gas, huh? That's a good one. That's a good one. It's there. It does the job until the very last moment, and then it loses contain. Yeah. That's Bosa the Bronco. All right. What about you, Fiddy? Do you have a car name or inanimate object? We know you name stuffed animals, but I don't know if that counts, because everybody has a name for a stuffed animal if you had one. Yeah. um, No, I don't name... Inanimate objects. There are. Uh... Okay, we're good, and we don't need to move on for anything else that you name. Don't need to do that. I don't know why you would do that. Inanimate. You're saying it's not alive. Is that what you're saying? I think that's what everybody understands it now. Been lately. With the joke on your love life. Yes, it's not even alive. So maybe it does count. What were your other cars' names? Um, let's see. I had a Honda that was silver and black. I called it Al Davis because it was like the Raiders. Okay. Um, I had. A white Honda Accord that I called it China White. Um, what did I call my Gladiator truck? Mm-hmm. 
I forgot what Romulus. No, it was red. I caught. I forgot what I named it. And then the uh, when I had that charge, I forgot what I. Called well, you can think one. about it if you want. Yeah, yeah I got. I okay. Got <laughs> All right. Oh, can, the charge. No, when I had a challenge, it was Julio for Julio Jones. So it's all football players then. Red on black. Football yeah, for the related part. words. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. What are we watching tonight? All I want to know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? Squirrel Meat Henderson says, Wes is funny. Yeah, that was a funny exchange with some of that <laughs> stuff. What are we watching tonight? I'll go first. I got a couple things on the list. Hornets at Milwaukee. Tough matchup. But what's not a tough matchup? Maybe I favor our coaching matchup a little bit as long as Doc Rivers is the head coach up in Milwaukee. Yeah. He doesn't even want to be there. He told you he doesn't want to be there. So Steve Clifford is still here. I'll go with the better matchup there. Still will be interesting. The last game of the mini roadie before they come back and play at the Spectrum Center. And VPR for you reality junkies. Am I right about that? I think it releases on Tuesday nights. I have to double check. I think that's correct. It's either that or Thursday. But I think it's Tuesday. So if that's on, that will be on the television. But I know for sure. Hornets in Milwaukee will be on the TV. What you got for us? Yeah, I'm going to be looking at that. Of course, ACC basketball tonight for sure. My Demon Deacon's playing a late night action, 9 o'clock. Uh, and also the Canes. The Kane gang is back at it. They got the Minnesota Wild on the road tonight at 8 o'clock, man. So lots of sports on. I don't know how I'm going to get to everything, but I'm going to try. Vanderpump rules, Fitty? You going to dabble? Um, No, I'll be <laughs> like Wes, having the ACC hoops on. It's a Tuesday, so it means I'm at my Momo's. We finished our second watching of Longmire. That means we're getting back into the MCU. Uh, we got a bunch of sh- uh, the miniseries we got to go through, so mm. a lot of Marvel content coming my way. What okay. What is Longmire again? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. I, I've never even heard of it. It's, uh, it, it, it's a book series that they turned into a TV show. It's about a sheriff in Absaroka County in Wyoming. Nicely and, delivered. Um, you know, does a... You know, has to fight a lot of crime with three with three deputies and has an Indian reservation. So you see how their their worlds collide. It's a pretty good um, it's a pretty good show. We okay. I mean we watched it twice in a year. So Longmire, yeah, yeah, done twice. Okay, I hear. It. Anytime I think of your mama watching a specific show, I'm always just reminded about how disturbed I was that my grandma, who was the quintessential lovely grandma that never cursed or anything like that, loved two and a half men. <laughs> and so it's always weird. I never wanted to watch shows with her. It was only Pacers games and that was it. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. And that will be the completion of the walk-off. Again, stick around for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. Smoke Ludwig. I promise I'll be able to talk better tomorrow. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.